You're listening to the Covenant Original Series, Find Your Center. Each one of us are born with an intense desire to be fulfilled. But what happens when our passions and successes leave us feeling even more empty? In today's teaching, we will be discussing the elusive state of satisfaction. Here is part one, the void of Find Your Center. In the book of Matthew, chapter 23, Jesus is having a conversation with a crowd that's followed him. And he notices that there's some of these, what he would uh, call religiously elite individuals, or what we would call uh, religiously elite individuals. They're called Pharisees. Pharisees were people who were exactly that. They were the best of the best when it came to their, quote, relationship with God. They kept all the laws. They kept all the commandments. They did all the right stuff. They tithed. They volunteered. They showed up. They said the right thing at the right time, right? They had all the Christian gold stars, if you, if you, if you would. But Jesus says something interesting. And he's, he's having this conversation with this large crowd, and he notices these people, these Pharisees, and he begins to call them out. He, he, he uses words like hypocrite. Now, let me just ask you, when is the last time somebody's looked at you and said, you hypocrite? Has that ever happened to you? In fact, just for effect, I want you to turn to the person right next to you, and this is going to be way too fulfilling for some of you married people, but I want you to look at the person right next to you, right in their face, and I, with a little bit of umph, I just, want you, I just want you to say, you hypocrite. Go for it right now. Felt good, didn't it, for some of you? Travis, thank you for giving me this opportunity to finally say, no, it's a very strong language. And yet Jesus looks at these religious people and he says, Pharisees, you hypocrites. And in chapter 23, he actually goes on to say that you tie up burdens too heavy for people to bear. You give them these religious goals that they can't accomplish. In doing so, you make them twice the sons of hell. And they currently are. And then he says something interesting in verse 27. Look at what he says. He says, woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites. He says this, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people, dead people's bones, and all uncleanliness. I want to start out this morning by asking you one simple question. Are you ready? Are you alive? Are you alive? I mean, on the inside, truly, are you alive? Are you living? Now, that might sound like a strange question, but I am convinced that it is a timely question. It is a very important question because for many of us, we work so hard to look alive, don't we? As Christians, we we, we work so hard to look alive, to play the part of being a Christian, but if we're honest... On the inside, there's nothing but death. On the inside, there's, there's nothing but dead things and dried up people's bones inside of us. And so even for those of us who, who know Jesus, many of us are in this place, and, and hang with me here, but many of us are in this place where even though we's a, we've accepted Christ, it feels like there's something missing inside of us. Are you with me? It feels like we're... Still empty to some degree at times. It feels like we're really missing out. And so what do we do? We work harder. We push harder. We get more involved. We volunteer. We give more. We do all these things. But it's slowly killing us. Because on the inside, there's nothing but death, 
seemingly. On the inside, there's nothing but, but decay. What is, what's the answer to that emptiness? What's the answer to that, as I would call it, a void? This month, we're going to be walking through Romans chapter 10. I love Paul. Paul is the author. He says this, starting in verse 1 of chapter 10. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up or you can turn them on and follow along or follow along on the screen or just listen along if this is a podcast for you. But he says this in verse 1. He says, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them, speaking of his brothers and sisters who were Jews, my prayer for, to God for them is that they may be saved. Let me just hear you say that phrase. They may be saved. For us as a church, our mission, our vision is to seek and save the lost. So I would join right in with Paul in celebrating what he says. Our goal is that for our world, our community, our city, our homes, this town, we long for them to be saved. And he says this, for I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit. Say the word submit. submit. They didn't submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. I'm just going to say it one more time. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. Now, what we might not understand is that we should celebrate that point. Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. See, there was a day, there was a time when in order to be righteous, in order to know God, you had to keep a list of rules. You had to show up at a certain time and do a certain thing and sacrifice a certain animal to be made right with God. But Jesus shows up and he saves us from that religious world. Amen? Amen. Jesus shows up and, and fulfills what the law could never fulfill. God sends Christ to die for us. And sacrificially, he dies for people who could never earn salvation, no matter what we would try and do. And so Christ brings about a new way to get to God. Not a way built on the law, not a way built on commandments, but a way built on faith. A way that's, that's fueled by grace and mercy and hope and love. A way that is only through Jesus Christ, not found through our working of the law and keeping of its commandments. But Paul says, hey, Jews, you're, you're still trying to do that. Christ came and provided a new way to get to him, except you're still trying to get to God through your works. You're still trying to earn your salvation. He goes on later to say, he says that they're being ignorant. He says they're being ignorant as to establish their own way. So in other words, for us to believe that we can earn a better standing or just a standing in general with God is pure ignorance. In fact, I would say this. Have you ever just tried to do something in your own way and then found a colossal waste of time? Anybody ever done that? Anybody ever been told, like, don't do it this way? If you do it this way, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. Do it this way. And you're like, okay, and then you go do it your own way anyway. Anybody? Yeah. I mean, I've never done that, but I see your hands up there. Um, no, I'm just joking. I, I was thinking about this earlier. I have so many horrible illustrations of this, and I'm not sharing any of them with you today. I'm just going to be honest with you, but I do have a lot of illustrations. We all do this in our life. 
We all have times where somebody says, do it this way, and yet we go and do it this way only to find out that it's a colossal mistake. And here's what I would say to you. Finding value in following God your own way versus the way that he laid out for us, that's not a testament to your worth. That's not a testament to your value. That's not a testament to your wisdom. You know what that's a testament to? Your rebellion. Doing things your own way instead of God's way is a testament to your rebellion. And here's the funny thing. Guess what happens when we go about it our own way? It leaves us empty. It leaves us completely vulnerable. It emphasizes the the void that is inside of us. And, and I would even say this, as Paul says, like he's like, I have this for you have a zeal, you you have a love, you have all these things, right? Even for those of us who know Jesus Christ, we'll try to fill up our lives. It's it's not that we're not trying to go about it in a certain way, we're trying to go about it our own way, the Christian walk. And so we do this check mark. We check off the boxes, right? Like, oh, wait, we gotta go to church. I gotta tithe. I gotta, I gotta volunteer. I gotta go to a Sea Life group. Okay, I gotta pray. I gotta read and check, 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 check. And then, the problem still persists. Is that at the end of the day, we still feel empty. So, so we can be all around the thing, but if, and here's a strong statement: if Christ is not the center, nothing else matters. Like, I love you very much, but it doesn't matter how much you show up to church if you, if you don't have Christ at the center. It doesn't matter how often you read, and on and on and on and I can go, right? It's not that those things don't matter. It's just that apart from having Christ at the center, really you will still sense a void. And it's sad because we think we're earning a better standing with God, and yet we have an increased understanding of, of this void of this emptiness. Have you ever been empty before? I mean, really empty. You ever feel empty? I was talking with a friend who got dumped. <laughs> um, doesn't know the Lord. He's far from Christ. Been, been spent a lot of time with him over the last couple years. Last couple months, rather. And uh, he and his girlfriend broke up, and it was, it was a nasty breakup, right? Kick to the curb, all that kind of stuff. And I said, man, how are you feeling? He's like, you know what, Travis? I just, just feel empty. I was like, that's such a good descriptive word, isn't it? Because when we're empty, it drives us to do certain things. Primarily, it, seeks, it, it drives us to seek out to be filled. Um, I don't know if any of you wrestle with this. Uh, sometimes when I'm empty, my, my, like physically, my stomach will, will rumble. Have you ever had that happen? And it's embarrassing. Like, it rumbles so loud, and I don't know if that's because of the, the, the size of it. I don't know if that has to do with it for me. Um, but it rumbles so loud, somebody across the room will be like, dang, you need to get some food. I'm like, yeah, right? You know, it's like so loud. But, but what do we do? To fill up this emptiness, we go and eat food. But then for some of us, we go and eat food for other reasons, to fill a different kind of void in our life. And so we eat to fill that emptiness. Does this make sense? But then we keep eating. And then we become disgusted with how much we've eaten. And we walk past a mirror and we're like, and all of a sudden, we feel empty again. See, isn't it interesting that the things that we often try to fill the void with are the very things that magnify the void? You ever notice that? Maybe for you, it's not food. Maybe for you, it's a physical relationship. 
Maybe you've given yourself away over and over and over and over and over because every time you are intimate with that man, every time you are intimate with that woman, even if it's just for those few moments, you feel fulfilled. You feel valued. You feel wanted. You feel needed. You feel desired. Maybe for you it's not a physical thing. Maybe it's not a food thing. Maybe for you it's an addiction. And so for those, those moments where, where you have your bottle, where, where you have your pipe, for those moments where you have what fill in the blank, whatever, right? When you are satisfying that, that emptiness, that emptiness is filled up like you feel full, right? You feel fulfilled. But then the worst part of an addiction is that as soon as you are done filling yourself, you are empty again. Except this time it's worse. Maybe for you it's not an addiction. Maybe for you it's finances. You know, you've been told your whole life, money means nothing, money means nothing, and you're like, no, nah, I don't believe that, right? And so you've gone out and you've gone out and you've, and you've worked your tail off and you've made something of yourself and you're bringing home money and you're supporting your family and you're doing your thing, but you come home and you realize, you have these moments where you realize none of this means anything. I'm still empty. You've been there? I mean, what do you do when you come to the end of yourself and find that everything you've been putting your whole self into has come back and made you feel empty? You know what we do? We go harder. We work more. We drink more. We eat more. We meet more people. And so we have these seasons and these moments of fulfillment, and we think that we're okay, but inside we are dying. We're slowly killing ourselves. I love what this dude says, Blaise Pascal. He says it this way. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the, in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the creator made known through Jesus. You know, it was awesome uh, to see the children today being dedicated to the Lord. And I, I was talking in first worship experience about this idea. It, it sounded really creepy when I said it first worship experience. I'm going to try and say it in a different way to see if it doesn't sound creepy. But it's like, I just like the smell of babies. Nope, definitely as creepy this time around. <laughs> Um, definitely as creepy for sure. But see, you know what I'm talking about, right? Like when a baby is first, it's like a young baby and your friends are like, hey, like, do you want to hold my baby? And I'm like, yeah. And I'm just like, what are you? Give me back my baby, you know? It just, it's, just, it's just amazing. And it's, and it's so hard for me to kind of look at a baby and be like, that's a, a, a person who is sinful. That's a person who is who is born sinful, but here's the truth. We are all born with an intense desire to be fulfilled. And so even at a very young age, as a baby, will cry to be fulfilled. I'm hungry, I have needs, I need you to fill me, I need you to fulfill me. And as we get older, we move on from just wanting to eat, we begin to have other visceral needs. I need affection, I need love, I need to be accepted. And what are we really saying? I am empty, somebody fill me up. 
I am empty. Somebody come and validate me. Show me what I'm worth. Show me what my value is. And then we find a career that we're semi-good at. And so we start feeling validation from that. And it's filling up this thing. And then we find a girl who decides, like, out of nowhere, like, yeah, I'll marry you. And you're like, awesome. And, and you get married. And then you have children. But then at the end of the day, we all have these moments of emptiness. And so what do we do? We fill up our calendars. We make sure our kids are plugged into sports. We make sure that our wife is involved in this and we're involved in every small group and we go to church every Sunday and immediately following church, we go to lunch and immediately after lunch, we go to this and immediately after that, we go to this and we keep our heads full, our schedules fuller. (laughs) But for some of us, the worst part of the day is that moment right before we fall asleep. You know what I'm talking about? The lights are off. The kids are down. You're laying on your back and just looking up to the ceiling. Or maybe you've experienced this. You, you pull the covers up to your chin and you have this moment where you just say, is this all there is? Is this all there is? And we feel empty. And we feel alone. John talks about this. We're going to close with this. John talks about this in the book of Revelation, verse 2, chapter 2. He says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. So Paul is speaking to a church here, okay? And he's saying, way to go. I know you've done this. You've done a good job with this. Good job. But then he says this, verse 4. But I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. Can I ask you one more question? Have you forgotten your first love? Have you forgotten your first love? Have you forgotten the one for which all this is even about in the first place? See, to find your center means you must define your center. And if your center is not defined by the one and only Son of God, Messiah, Jesus Christ, Lord of all himself, then you will not find fulfillment. And so you say, well, okay, what does that mean? Well, John gives us three ways. Three ways. He says, remember, repent, return. Remember, repent, return. I would say that to you this morning. Jesus followers, Christ followers, Christians, those of you who have been saved but still feel like a whitewashed tomb, still feel a a tomb that is beautiful on the outside but on the inside there's death remember Jesus remember the moment that you knelt down and, and gave your life to him remember him go back repent once again fall to your knees turn from your sin don't just confess it but turn from your sin And lastly, like the prodigal, return.
Come on home. Remember, repent, return. Would you just bow your heads, close your eyes for just a moment. It's amazing that each one of us is filled with an infinite abyss, a void. But I want you to know this morning, our infinite abyss can only be filled with one object, with one entity, with one thing. That is God himself. God himself. So this morning, I want you to bow your heads with your eyes closed, your heads bowed. For those of us who are Christ followers, I just want you to take a moment. I just want to say this to you. Just listen. Just listen to me. Come home. Come on back. Remember Jesus. Repent of your sin and return. Remember Jesus. Repent of your sin and return. You can't earn better standing with him. You should know this. You are his child. Let me remind you today, church, there is nothing that you can do that can make God love you any more or any less than he does right now. Remember, repent, return. Remember, repent, return. Now, for the rest of us, who our relationship with Christ is in question. Do we know Jesus? Do we not? I don't know. I can tell you this. We will spend our lives trying to fill that void. And listen, we can, we can play all hard. We can play all cool. I get it. I get it. You're a man. You don't feel empty. I get it. You're a dude. You don't feel that void. Well, guess what? You can talk that to anybody else. You may see that as a weakness that you will not share. But the fact of the matter is that every one of us was created with a God-shaped hole in our chest that only God can fill. Thanks for listening to this message from Covenant Church. For more information on our ministries or to hear more messages just like this, visit us at covenantchurch.us.